It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Good people of Do It With Dan, welcome to Do It With Dan. I'm here with my guest co-host today, Luigi Ciambarella. I double check that because that's what I like to do. Uh, Luigi is a, a mentor, coach, teacher, facilitator with the Monroe Institute on lucid dreaming. Um, he actually uh, did a really, really groovy class for my Alchemic Life Creation program uh, late last year. Uh, we also stream that to my Dream with Dan group, which I'd love to have you guys a member of. And we're back again today to talk lucid dreaming, applications of lucid dreaming, and cool stuff because he's a really dope guy and I enjoyed talking to him. And so I'm glad to share him. Luigi, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure to be here again. <laughs> Luigi's also a fellow Brit, so it's, uh, it's great to hear an accent that I recognize. <laughs> Yeah, the, the sound that comes out of my, uh, my my mouth doesn't really marry up with my looks. I apologise for not sounding uh, <laughs> more Southern Italian, um, but uh, you know I can put it on if you want, and I can talk more about that. Alas, um, no, I was born in Blackburn in, in Lancashire, so um, um, this is the curse of uh, growing up in that area. But you know, hey. It uh, helps with the lucid dreaming practice because it's part of a reality check. Um, <laughs> things are not always what they seem. Oh, so. that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of reality checks, I've been, who am I, where am I, what am I doing several times a day? Yep. I am getting much more crazy dreams, much more recall of my crazy dreams. Cool. I am also... Um, I've been able to get back into my dreams a couple of times as well. So I'm enjoying that. Okay. It's yep. really bonkers. I've realized some really recurring themes in my dreams, which okay. is, I wasn't expecting that. Yep. So yeah, it's been fun. And I also did, I've been doing some really interesting things I wouldn't do in my life in my dreams, but remembering them very vividly. So, okay. My lucid dream is coming along and I, I stopped using coming that, along. that mask. I stopped using, Stop the, using the, 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 we, the the one that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want the marketing people coming after us. Um, but you're right. I mean, the, the <laughs> and, and look, look what happens. You know, you're having re-entry dreams, recurring dreams, more presence, and so on without the mask. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, though, with the, the fact that once you start paying attention, um, once you start increasing self-reflective awareness, which essentially this kind of thing is, then that starts mm -hmm. to make its way into the dream state. Um, yeah. Essentially, it's mindfulness. And mm -hmm. so this is uh, what, I, what I've found over the years is that all useful lucid dreaming practices are mindfulness in the daytime that then become mindfulness of sleep and dreaming. Mm. So it's being able to see what's going on inside yourself at any given moment without preference, without judging. You just see what's there. And if you can take that attitude uh, into your daytime and extend it into your daytime, then you will dream about that to begin with. So not necessarily with lucidity, but you'll be more present in what's going on. Um, th there's a lot of research which shows that 
the brain centers that kind of shut off um, with, with during dreaming, the, these frontal lobe areas are the ones responsible or at least strongly implicated in self-reflective awareness, hmm. which means that um, we don't ask it during the dream what we're doing there. Um, but we still have the same centers on in the brain which uh, respond appropriately to the environment. So although you were talking about uh, doing things that maybe you wouldn't do in your waking life, it was still appropriate to the situation of the dream. Mm. It wasn't something that was totally crazy. Dan would never do this. Oh, no, 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 no. It was in context. So, so um, if you're bringing more mindfulness into the, that situation, then maybe you'll have more options within normal dream logic um, that wouldn't be present if you didn't do that practice in the daytime. Hmm. So it's, it's, um, but what, what I love is when I hear things like um, I was having recurring dreams or recurring yeah, themes. Very, very, very recurring themes. Um, dreams aren't accidental in that sense, Dan. So what, what happens is, um, it's a bit like the dream world saying, okay, here's a message for you. What are you going to do about this? Yeah. And then you go, wow, I acknowledge that. And then he says, okay, so what are you going to do about this, Dan? And it's presented again <laughs> and again. And he goes, and so... Yeah, and eventually you'll do something about it, and then it will stop recurring. Um, so dreams are incredibly patient; they're not trying to punish you, but they're just holding up a mirror all the time and saying, "Dan, you know, there's this going on in your daily life, or this is how you tend to think in your daily life. Let me just show it to you, mm-hmm. repeatedly." Um, and dreams don't just want to show us what we know; they want to uh, give us a little bit of guidance about what we. Um, can do with that information that that it presents to us so it's it's uh, there's a bit of a process to this which um which is something that I, I i teach in workshops because when you when you take the standard schools of um of dream analysis and dream work you know going back to freud essentially mm-hmm. but then also with the Jungian approaches and so on and the gestalts and all, all these other guys they start with dream interpretation analysis. And um, the first theories were around the idea that um, the unconscious is just this huge storehouse of, of information. Um, but if, if any of that information, all those desires that are within the unconscious became known to the conscious mind, it would somehow overwhelm it. So we have all these defense mechanisms that block us off from knowing what the unconscious is doing. Um, and Freud tied that into his psychosexual theory. So really, um, you know, you, you've got this very deviant part in yourself that kind of wants to... Uh, uh, express itself and and basically have sex with everything that moves, including your own family. Um, yeah. And and <laughs> if your conscious mind knew that, then you'd blow up. Um, so, so you can't have that direct relationship with your unconscious. Um, yeah. So the idea of, of psychoanalysis in, in using dream work in psychoanalysis was that. Uh, you would just relate, relate your dreams as the clients or the, the patients in those times. And then uh, Freud or somebody else trained in analysis would pick up these nuggets of information and then be able to analyze you from a distance, you know, so from the outside, you're not able to get into your unconscious, but the analyst can. And so then 
you can start to piece together things that are going on in your psyche. And maybe uh, through that analysis, you will then come to recognize something um, very, very gently so that then you would, the penny would drop. Oh my God, this is what it's about. You know, I, I, I fancy my mother um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I don't take that approach and neither do many others who followed from Freud, but I don't, I don't want to throw everything out uh, that Freud did. I, I think the idea that um, there are things that the unconscious does that protects us um, is very valid. Uh, I don't think it would necessarily overwhelm the conscious mind. Um, sometimes, sometimes maybe um, if you knew it so exactly, so quickly. So it'll just give you the things that you need at that moment in time. And this is what I mean by um, if you have a recurring theme, um, the unconscious is kind of giving you nuggets of information to say you might want to look at this. Um, it has an idea of how you might resolve it, but it's just producing a little bit of um, uh, awareness, enough to make you say, what's going on there um, with that dream narrative and then inquire it in the daytime. So the total self um, is comprised of many parts, many personalities, which when we talk about conscious and unconscious, it doesn't really capture all of it. You know, there are many aspects of the conscious mind and there are many aspects of the unconscious. You just have to see it when you go and get a McDonald's. You, 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 you know, there's part of you that won't say eat this damn thing and then another part that immediately regrets it. Um, <laughs> and you go, well, you know, what the hell did I do that for? I mean, anyone who's on a diet will know exactly that, <laughs> what these parts are, you know. Um, yeah. if, you, if you feel like you're drawn like a moth to a flame to something that's damaging or seems to be damaging, then you'll know that there are many as- uh, aspects of the personality that interact in different ways. And the dream is able to present these different aspects as different characters, different situations that you accept or reject consciously. So mm-hmm. when you wake up, you say, well, I would never do that. Well, that's the part that would never do that. <laughs> part that would do that, yeah. So, so then you got to look at that other part and say, well, that's also Dan, or that's mm-hmm. also me, you know, uh, and and say, okay, well, what is that part? Mm-hmm. Because um, the idea is to uh, develop a, a deeper understanding of the total self. Yeah, these are all aspects of my personality, mm-hmm. and I can look at them in their entirety without judgment, mm-hmm. and then I can make choices based on that because the more you you can see in your own personality, the more decision space you have in waking reality. Got it. So this is, um, so for instance, when you take it into uh, something like Law of Attraction, mm-hmm. um, which excellent book, by the way. You know, I've got it. I've got it here. Um, oh, you know, this is a, a great read while I was in Thailand. Um, it, what uh, what you find is that if you have more of yourself working on the problems or what what it is that you want, you can be very specific about what you want and really bring that feeling into it. If you know that there's a part of your personality that resists that feeling for some reason then the likelihood that that will be attracted into your life is greatly diminished. Mm. You know, so if you can speak to all parts of yourself and say, hey, guys, what is it that we actually need right now? 
mm-hmm. or what things do we need? And, and things can be, um, you know, not, not only objects, although that, that can be the case, but... Things, emotional states, whatever. Right, right. Mm-hmm. If you're all uh, rowing in the same direction, then that is going to massively amplify the ability to then manifest those things in your life. So this is also one of the main reasons why we want to look at uh, what the personality is made of and how then we can start the process of integrating it. Mm. So um, it's, a, it's a big task. So you, you, you'd start with the analysis of your dreams by paying attention. What do they mean? Mm-hmm. So you can go into interpretation, but then you look at the dynamics of what's going on in your life, um, which might have given rise to those sorts of dreams. But then the next stage is the application, which is to... Um, to bring the dream to life in some sort of way, that you you externally uh, represent and express the message of the dream, um, either through some sort of symbolic ritual, because it might not require anything uh, specific in terms of, uh, like, you know, telling your boss to shove it and then start to <laughs> or something like that. Well, that that's very possible. Um, but the, the other thing could be something like... Um, um, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I had a, a therapy client who who had a particular dream and would always have this recurring theme of um, an ex-partner uh, who, uh, when the relationship ended, it, it ended pretty badly, and he didn't realize that he was carrying this weight uh, within himself. And the, the, the way that he was able to acknowledge it was that um, in physical reality, he couldn't get in touch with this ex. And it didn't really seem appropriate to do that anyway, mm-hmm. um, to, to get some sort of closure. But what he did was he went into his garden and um, buried a picture of himself oh. with his ex to yeah. represent uh, closure. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. And, and so performing that sort of ritual then relaxed the story completely in his own mind and he's not had that recurring uh, dream since. Nice. You know, so, so this, this idea that I acknowledge what the dream's trying to tell me and I physically do something that expresses that I've got it. And then you're, you're providing feedback from physical reality back into the dream world. Mm-hmm. So you're embodying it in some sort of way. So there's a big process in this. That actually follows the, there's two pieces I want to pick up on. I'm going to start with this last piece that you gave about carrying it through because this has been a common theme. So I've just done a masterclass in the group this week um, on creating abundance. And, And what we did yesterday to wrap it up was talking about physical action. And I actually did a Facebook Live about this a week or two ago. The importance of anchoring in the work that you're doing, whether it's, mindset work and belief work or whether it's spiritual work or energy play or whatever anchoring that in physically in order to to have that experience fully here because far too often people spend so much time mentally rehearsing something visualizing it but then do absolutely nothing to facilitate experiencing it in the three-dimensional world and so i love that what you're saying here is that even when it comes down to our engagement with our dreams if we're going to close that loop that's showing up as a recurring dream Yes. We need to anchor it in our, in our physical world. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good point. Dan. The, um, so, yeah, whatever you're teaching people is spot on. <laughs> At least you, know, you, get my, you get my seal of approval. <laughs> no, the, 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 um, no, the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, when you look at, for instance, the Gestalt um, approach to uh, psychotherapy, and they have the, what's called the contact cycle, um, 
without going too much into the technicalities of it, but what you what you start with is some sort of sensation, something in your being that's trying to get your attention, whatever that is. And sometimes we're disconnected from that. And so we, we're disconnected. We don't have awareness. We get the sensation, but we don't have the awareness of it fully. Right? So we can't label it right. You know, if, 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 I'm, a, if I'm a newborn baby, I feel a discomfort in my body. I start crying. Okay? So what I have is uh, a sensation. I have awareness of that sensation because it's uncomfortable. And then I mobilize some energy towards it. And I perform an action, which is to scream, okay? Because that's all I have as my available uh, um, resource. And mm-hmm. then a parent or whoever um, provides the the food because I'm hungry. You know, maybe that's what that sensation was. And mm-hmm. so then I eat, and I'm in contact with the um, the the solution to my sensation problem, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that loop that cycle is completely clear and uninterrupted Got it. okay and then that ends then the sensation fades the satisfaction mm-hmm. and then it leaves room for another sensation to arise you know right. maybe the next discomfort is going to be that i need to go pee as a child right yeah. Okay, what we tend to do as adults is we've got so many ideas that we swallowed from other people, parents, uh, caregivers, um, teachers, society, culture, religion, you name it. All that junk. They break that cycle somewhere or they cause interference with it. So, for instance, if I then I I feel hungry, Um, I'm aware that I'm hungry, but I'm in a meeting so I can't go and eat, right? So I can bracket that off a little bit, but I might stay in that meeting way longer than I need to without actually saying, so I've got energy, now what am I doing? I'm fidgeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm restless. I'm not paying attention to what the person's saying in front You're of me. You're not showing up. You're not showing I'm, I'm not showing up. I'm not there. I'm not present, mm-hmm. right? Because the sensation's big, but my, my socialization is also big, and it stops me from having that need met. Right, so the the action that I take is actually a useless action. I, the fidgeting does not meet the sensation. So this is like somebody who who wants to gain control in their life. They can't express things outwards, so they start to bite their nails, or they start to turn to drugs and alcohol, or Got something it. where you're 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 doing an action that actually doesn't meet that need, but maybe numbs it, or maybe distracts from it, or or makes it seem like you're doing something when in fact you're not, mm-hmm. and. We, we do this all the time, you know, if, we, if we've got uh, an inner need for something, for maybe um, connecting with somebody else, um, instead of doing that connection where you would actually just go out and have a chat with somebody um, or even tell them, hey, I could do with a hug right now, we'll just put on the TV and just start watching Netflix or play a computer game, or maybe we'll put on some porn and, and you know, distract ourselves out with the superficial contact. Mm-hmm. So th- this, is, this is how we interrupt that cycle. What that means is that the sensation never uh, gets resolved. You know, that need will always be there, but we've added o- on all these layers of, of, of uh, distraction, essentially, uh, or actions that... Um, attack the self in some sort of way rather than being externalized that help you to move closer to that towards that goal of having that need met 
Mm. And then the other thing is that um, you can actually have the need met, but because it's been such an effort to get there, then you don't know how to let go of it. Ah. So that th- this is also, um, and so the satisfaction doesn't come in. You know, so you just that, keep chasing over and over again, like an addiction, for example. Right, right. So I mean, and this is this is very evident in our culture. You know, you've got this need for esteem, for instance. So you end up buying a new car, a new phone, a new a new. Uh, you know, you get a new girlfriend, you get a new yeah. place, or whatever. It doesn't meet that need because you're always because you've made yourself get into a habit of constantly chasing. You don't mm. know when you've arrived. So mm. the there's a disconnect between um, the, the satisfaction of having the, the need met and the original sensation. The two don't meet, and therefore you can't complete the loop and move it aside before allowing something else to arise. Mm. So th- th- this is uh, also something that shows up a lot in dreams, mm-hmm. where, um, and it, it, because the dreams will show you, well, actually, this is unfinished business. You haven't finished this cycle yet. You, you think you're, you're somewhere you, maybe where you're not. Mm. Um, and, and what you were talking about there with the whole mental rehearsal is kind of like going through that action without them then bringing it back into the original sensation. Yeah. So the, uh, um, the mental rehearsal is mobilization of energy and moving into action, but it's all work done outside yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, so you think, oh wow, that was a great visualization. That seemed to do everything I needed. <laughs> but then you, then you've got to bring it into the body. You've mm-hmm. got to embody it. You've got to say, how does this touch the sensation in me? Has my need been met by that solution? And if so, then can I apply that and and bring it into physical reality? So th- this. This idea of connect with the, the self, connect with your body, see what it is that you need, and then you can do the visualization work if necessary, but then bring it back into the body again. Yeah. So that, that bridging, that anchoring, as you were talking about, through some sort of physical action is, is a very important step to close that whole cycle, to close the loop. That's crazy. I had no idea. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of our primal instinct that's expressed as babies is is it's a clue to how we should be closing our loops as as complete humans because without the stories that pull us away from our natural instincts as babies and children um we're we're just not doing things the way that we're, we're set up to do them optimally and so as an adult maybe a lot of the challenges that we're facing are coming because we're not closing those loops we're not closing those loops we're maintaining these open loops and it's leading to all sorts of havoc in our lives or, or even just pulling energy away from our ability to create and manifest right that that is the key there uh, pulling energy away you know we we have a lot of energy but it's often very diffuse now mm. if you've got a part of you that's sort of keeping another part at bay all the time because he's saying, ah, don't do that. It's not appropriate to have that need met. No, you can ask. Um, there's, if, if you say that, then bad things will happen and so on. And oh, we don't do that in our society. We don't do that in our religion and so on. Mm-hmm. You've got at least two parts that are in conflict with each other. And that's a lot of energy pressing against yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that you could be using to do something that you actually want to do. Mm. So it's not that the energy the energy is there, but it's it's being utilised in the service of keeping fears at bay or keeping anxieties um, to a particularly maybe tolerable level. Mm. Um, and and you see this even with people who um, maybe know that they're in a difficult situation, but they don't come out of it. 
you know, because they know that uh, there's a predictability, a safety in the crappy situation. <laughs> so, you know, so people will stay in an abusive relationship, for instance, just as an example. It's the known. Because it's the known, right. And you go, well, why didn't you get out of it? Well, because I didn't know what the other thing would look like. And that was even worse. Or, or sometimes they don't head. even do that, do they, Luigi? They just make right. up excuses to protect it. I had this with someone um, yeah, recently yeah, yeah. Yeah. who wanted to work with me on a particular challenge. We had a call. We worked out an exact strategy to deal with it. I said, all right, we're going to get on with it. And then a couple of days later, yeah, I don't think I need to do that. I think I'm going to do this instead. Right. Now, I'm not a high pressure right. person. So I just said, right. well, because you've done that, we're not ready to work together anyway. But just so, so you know, this is what's actually happening for you. Your subconscious mind is throwing up this other narrative for you to go on to hide away from the fact that this is actually going to, going to generate a result. Right. Instead, we stay in the known of unhappiness. And this goes back to people that, you know, you, you someone will say to them, whether it's a friend, a family member, or someone that they, that they work with um, professionally, hey, um, that pattern that you're playing out, you know, it's no bueno. That relationship's no good for you. Um, smoking's, you know, doing your lungs a havoc, you're drinking too much, maybe not so much crack cocaine, whatever it is. Um, or, or it's an emotional situation that they're looping through. And they'll say, oh, yeah, but he needs me, or yeah, but this and that. And just generating all of these stories and narratives just to justify staying in the situation, right? Sure. And, um, you know, when you look at the, the therapeutic approaches of transactional analysis, they would call that game playing. Yeah, I know. Trans- um, and, and, and so that, that would be the yes, but game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, the, the, the idea is that, oh, I've tried that, I've tried that, I've tried that, it didn't work. Mm. So what that means is that um, I'm a lost cause, but I get the payoff by making you seem like a lost cause as well. I get one up on you because you weren't able to provide a solution for me. Mm-hmm. So now I move into the persecutor and you move into the um, victim, victim role, even mm-hmm. though they started as the persecutor, uh, sorry, as the victim and you were in the rescuer, the, the rescuer role. Right. Yeah. So, um, now, if you call out the game, that's not a great move. You know, you don't say to somebody, hey, you're playing the yes, but game in trust. That's a fantastic way to get into an argument. Um, I've done that a few times. Um, yeah. In my early days of overcoming my Asperger's in social settings, uh, <laughs> the structure of transactional analysis, I read the first book I read on it was Game People Play by Eric Byrne. Right, right. And then I got into TA Today by Ian Joins and Van Stewart. And it's like, yeah, oh, that's an excellent book. That's an I excellent understand book. the construct of human interaction now. Finally, right. I don't have social anxiety, but yeah. I was calling it out. My Asperger's yeah, brain was like, oh, well, right. this is. This is a cheeky game of rapo. <laughs> <It's like>, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 don't, you don't go there, but you know, something just a, just a twig. And, and especially, you know, what I really like about transactional analysis is the life scripts idea. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- this, is, this is really powerful word that you can take into lucid dreaming mm-hmm. where you, you, can, you can ask um, to have your life presented on a stage and, you know, do you say, or oh, something like that, you know, as a metaphor. And you say, okay, well, what's this, what's this play about? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, how does it start? How does it end? You can watch it and see, okay, well, is my life a comedy, a drama, a tragedy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it a rom-com? What, what, what's, the, what's the story here? What have I told myself I need to play out? Because then I'm only going to be recognizing in waking reality the, the characters and the narratives that meet that life script. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've told myself I need um, to, to essentially exist. Mm. So be, being aware of that, then we can start to play with the parameters a little bit and, and reprogram ourselves. And this is, um, you know, one of the biggest um, transformative effects of um, lucid dreaming, in my opinion. You know, we can have all the play part and recreational aspects that people love and, and go for lucid dreaming Um to do well, go go to uh, learning lucid dreaming to do, but um, but the transformative aspects of, of being able to rework your life script is is something that really should not be overlooked. I mean, go in there, see what's in your programming, and maybe give a voice to some of these critical aspects. You know, if you can't do something, then externalize it, and you could do this in imagination as well. You don't have to be in a lucid dream. You know, um, you, you hear a voice saying, I can't do that. Oh, there's my inner critic. Well, let's imagine that the inner critic is sat on a chair over there in, in a similar way to the empty chair worker or two chair work in, um, in Gestalt therapy. But you would say, okay, let me see what it wants. Mm-hmm. Let's, see what the, let's see what the need is behind the inner critic. You know, yeah. okay, I don't want to make a fool of myself. Well, what do you want to make of yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's my angry part. Well, why is it angry? You know, what, what's it trying to express? You'll probably find that all these parts of yourself aren't just there for shits and giggles. You know, they, they want to, they're, they're trying to do something that helps you in some sort of way or that mm-hmm. helps themselves in some sort of way. But in their interaction with each other, they don't, they seem to rub up the wrong way. So it's how can we get them to have all their needs met? or to abdicate their position sometimes when they're trying to get too tight control um, so that things flow more in, in your, uh, in, from your total perspective, from your total self in your waking life. Mm. Um, because loops can be built like this. You, know, the, you, can, you can get yourself in a, an easy paralysis loop or a habitual loop because the safety provided um, some sort of solution to what might have felt like an uncomfortable situation. So, okay, well, yeah, it's damaging for me, but it worked last time, so I'll just keep doing that. You know, you can go in and reprogram these strategies and you can say, okay, well, is there a better way of doing this where I can make more progress in understanding myself more deeply and engaging in my reality more fully? Uh, with more choice available to me. You know, th- this is uh, very important, in my opinion. You know? I agree. And in fact, um, our initial contact through the Monroe Institute came as a result of the work with Alchemic Life Creation and un- right. and taking the approach of seeing the dream space as a level of consciousness that we could engage with. So um, stepping beyond outer waking consciousness, stepping beyond, you know, your alpha states where we're relaxed and we can engage with our subconscious mind and do some visualization and ask questions of our unconscious. Being able to play in the dream space is able to just dig into those depths of the mind that from an outer state, we just have no, no connection to it all. Those really deep recesses. So we can start to ask those questions. I mean, the life script work is something that we do with the ideal life blueprint, the ideal life blueprint built off of um, life script work. We added, I added the five pillars from work I did with the five, having five key books and merged it together to have this process of, of creating a life. But in the alchemic life creation level of that, 
we don't ask the questions consciously, we step into other levels of consciousness, deeper levels of consciousness and go really deep and right. ask, you know, what's my highest and greatest good? You know, we, yeah. we, whether it's um, asking, you know, for a specific situation, asking on a macro sense, what are the five, you know, what are some areas of my life that I would be, it would be optimal for me to, to connect with. Uh, for those that work with us that, look, look, that believe in stuff like spirit guides, we, we can do the same thing, but you can use the dream space to have this really beautiful interface right. to even deeper levels of consciousness, other dimensions of self and uh, deep desires, playing with your shadow self in a safe space that doesn't have these external and allows you to just embrace all of you. And really, like you said, start to make observations that you can bring into your outer waiting state of consciousness and make different choices to, to evolve a more beautiful life experience, a beautiful, fuller life experience. Right. And you know, the, the, the other thing that I take away from it is that I don't have to do all the work myself, mm -hmm. you know, because the part of the ego mind that identifies itself as myself is this small part of the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. But when I go into a lucid dream, or even a regular dream, you know, because it's still a massive wall of information, I can say, before I go to sleep, surprise me, show me something I didn't know, show me how I can improve myself in some sort of way, show mm -hmm. me a life situation that is unresolved, and, and maybe even show me how to resolve it. Mm -hmm. um, I get information, you know, I don't have to follow it, much like a spirit guide, you know, it provides mm -hmm. information, you don't have to follow it, it's exactly. just data. Mm -hmm. um, but this idea that actually I have huge aspects of myself behind the scenes that are also trying to self-improve in some sort of way, and I can call on those to help the whole system out. And the conscious mind is one aspect of this, you know. The, it's a very important aspect because you're the guy on the ground. Mm. You know, you're, you're the guy interfacing with physical reality. And those parts can take in all that data that you're feeding back from physical reality and, and uh, rework it in a way that is incredibly creative, far more than your conscious mind could ever put together. But unless your conscious mind then, then applies that, the feedback loop stops. You know, there's nothing changing in your environment. So you're saying, hey, here's some data for you. And you yeah. go, I'm not doing anything with it. Now, if you start working with it, applying mm -hmm. some of it, then your life experience in physical reality will change a little bit. And yeah. that, through your senses, will feed back into your unconscious mind. So your unconscious mind goes, ah, conscious mind's awake. Let's do something with it. And it will <laughs> help you by, by sending more and more stuff. So what, what, I, what I tend to find is that people who pay attention to the dream state, you know, to begin with, they say, oh, well, I don't remember my dreams and I don't do much with them because my dreams are all bollocks. Um, yeah. Probably, you know, there's a possibility to that, you know, we <laughs> um, about what, what, what happened in the last two to eight days, you know, and it could just be reorganizing stuff. Hey, do you notice this? Do you notice that? Very small level. But once mm -hmm. the conscious mind gets involved, then the unconscious goes, ah, the game's changed. Yeah. So let me change the contents of the dreams. Let me make it so that um, now that there's an observer, a conscious observer, that I tailor the message a little bit more to, to his or her level of understanding so that he can do something with it. So I'm not saying dreams originally are designed to have the audience of the conscious mind, but mm -hmm. when they do have the conscious, uh, the, the conscious mind watching them, then they change in their nature. And so then you start working more as a team. So th this, is, this is also something to bear in mind. You're not having to do all the work yourself. Your mm. unconscious is going to tailor things 
to your level of understanding, because it, ultimately it's a part of you anyway, it knows exactly what you're up to, so that then you can apply those lessons, that information, and also maybe go and get new data from the outside world that it might need. So mm. you're completing the loop in that process. Beautiful. So there's, yeah, there's there's a lot that you can do. Talk to yourself more, I think. <laughs> uh, great, not great. out loud and angry, you know. That, that, that might get what? you funny looks. <laughs> I saw a, a, a joke, um, I think it's on Instagram. It was, um, I think it was something like, uh, if you're sitting by yourself and someone speaks to you, just turn to them and say, can you see me? <laughs> uh, right, double check, um, we've got any questions. It doesn't look like we've got any questions. Um, so for those of you listening to this on the podcast, we're actually streaming this live into the Dream With Dan Facebook group. You can go ahead and join at www.dreamwithdan.com forward slash Facebook. Uh, we get exclusive content like this all the time. It's really good stuff. Uh, this is actually the second time that uh, Luigi has been a guest for us. So it's um, really great to have him here. There are no questions. So um, we'll keep playing um, yeah, five, 10 minutes longer. Keep, keep chatting and see, see where we go for a sure. little bit. Sure. Um, so just looking at this whole thing of bringing, bringing some of these pieces together then. So we've got dream analysis doesn't need to be this um, suffocated process where we get stuck. It can be an opportunity to engage playfully with what's going on so that we can start to accept all of ourselves and through yeah. that acceptance, create some congruence with our desires and therefore better create and manifest what we want to experience in our lives. Um, Perfect. Our dreams can be an opportunity for us to see what loops we need to close. Uh, it can give us messages that we can use to break patterns of behavior in our life that we don't necessarily want, like uh, the client that buried a picture of the, the past relationship, closed that loop by releasing the energy of it and, and allowed himself yep. to move on. Uh, and it can be uh, an opportunity to... Um, to grow by seeing what new things we can do in our world because we can get some guidance. We can start to create the narrative of our life with engagement and play with our subconscious um, through the dream space. Absolutely. And you know what the, the thing with the analysis, um, which is important in my opinion to note is that when we do that from the waking state, we tend to use logic what does that mean? What does that symbol mean? What associations do I have with it? How would I interpret it? What's going on in my life? And so on that could have created that symbol, et cetera, et cetera. So this is all done from a distance. But remember that all of that dream was you, right? Mm. All aspects of the dream are aspects of the self. I mean, you know, we can go into collective unconscious and out-of-body states and all that kind of stuff, maybe for another day. But mm -hmm. when you're purely within the lucid dream, then it's all aspects of yourself. So the question then is instead of doing a, um, an analysis from a distance, how can we do an analysis and integration process combining the metaphors and the symbols that came out of the dream with imaginative play, with something that's more embodied, that is actually bringing in more of your senses in the interpretive and creative process, mm. where we make meaning you know, if, if you take the, the existential perspective, you know, we're, we're meaning-making machines, as you sometimes uh, hear. Yeah. Uh, they, they love that in NLP. I mean, obviously, Milton Erickson was huge on that. Mm -hmm. This idea that um, there isn't a single absolute truth, but something that, that uh, we have to discover for ourselves, and, and meaning can change over time as well. So in the analysis process, you're also making meaning. You're also saying to yourself, this is what I'm... I'm uh, bringing into reality from the message of the dream. So it's not a static process. 
So what I tend to do with my dreams is, first of all, you know, I'll go through them and just do that external analysis. But I will also then sit with each element of the dream in imaginative play. And I'll just sit in a chair and close my eyes and think about that element and say, okay, if I was that element only in that dream, if I was that dream character, what would be my thinking process? And I'll just be talking aloud to myself. You know, I'll just be saying aloud from the perspective of that uh, dream. Because if you meet somebody who's an asshole in the dream, He's not an asshole. From his perspective, he's absolutely right. So you put yourself in that character and then say what you're saying. Why are you saying it? You might notice a part of your body starts to light up. You know, there might be a, a part of your body that feels some sort of anxiety, discomfort, uh, anger, whatever. Let it express it. You know, if you feel frustrated about something, um, I often find that frustration is, is a very polite emotion you know it's like uh, I'm, uh, no you're probably angry you know this, this is like excuse excuse me ooh, ooh, i'm a little bit i'm a little bit annoyed um no you pissed off what are you pissed off about go for it you know knock yourself yeah. out so in your visualization you can carry that on um mm. so i will carry on the dream just in just in imagination because that's how i'm i'm now talking to my subconscious using the symbols that it gave me so I'm, I'm developing symbolic language, symbolic communication with myself rather than just staying with words, which are very, very limited impact uh, to the, the, the unconscious. You know, you've you got all this fully embodied emotional feeling sense, a multi-sensory experience in the dream, and you're trying to understand it with blah, blah, blah. You know, mm -hmm. it's not enough. I mean, it's interesting, but it's not enough, in my opinion. So I try to put myself back there with all of the gusto, all of the feeling 3D surround sound, and then carry the dream on, see where it would go. Because usually dreams, and especially nightmares, they will end before you are able to carry on through the story, either through the worst bit or to the conclusion. That's yeah. why we wake up frustrated or, or scared or angry or whatever it is. We haven't you know, resolved they, it. We haven't resolved right. it. And, and um, kind of like when we do trauma focus work, you know, there's time minus one, which is the bit that's just before the worst bit. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere we jump to time plus one, right? Which is either waking up or the dream might jump to a time afterwards and you weren't mm -hmm. able to live through time. The, the part where it was all happening, where you're linking minus one with plus one, and then you complete the story. When that happens, then there's a flow of energy that goes right through that tells you where you got from zero to hero. And, and that's, that's the bit that, you, that imaginative dream play uh, targets. So you say, okay, well, the, the dream ended. I didn't like the way it ended or there was a frustration in it and so on. I would like to explore that more deeply. I'll go in with my mind and walk myself through it. If the, if the unconscious thinks that you screwed with the dream message, you will know about it because that very night or in the next, <laughs> you will get another dream. No, 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 no. That, that's not what I meant, right? It will tell you something else. And... <laughs> Not on my so, watch, buddy. Not on my yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, this is how I talk to myself because if I don't do anything with it, the dream might think that it's communicated correctly or completely the things that it was trying to communicate. If I take that and run off with it in a different direction, he'll go, no, 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 wait a minute. I need to present this in a new way that mm -hmm. he'll get. So then he'll go back to the drawing board and create another dream with the same sort of theme. Got you, got you, got you. Well, uh, 
I personally have got some really good stuff that I'm going to go off and play with. I love the idea of playing with the dream in a, a more outer state of consciousness. I'd probably drop into alpha and right. start you know, playing with it there. Uh, but being able to see, you know, give the, give the, it's like having that conversation, like you said, engaging, because if you have got it wrong, the subconscious mind will say, well, here's a, here's another dream to, or you may even feel discomfort in your body. It depends on how yes. sensitive you are. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, very sensitive. Yeah. So, um, I can sometimes get pushed back during visualization, but I mean, I've been doing right. visualization for the best part of 20 years. It's, it was the beginning of my, my mindset work. So I would right. get pushed back or just a discomfort, whether it's uh, biofeedback through my sacral center or, or my heart might tighten up and so on and so forth. So right. really, uh, really cool stuff. Yeah. That, uh, that's, I'm oh, sorry. No, uh, I'm no, no, just no. going to say, usually something will happen with your breathing. You know, check yes. your heart rate, check your breathing. If you're holding your breath, uh, there's tightness in your chest. Because when we're, whenever we experience any sort of anger or anxiety in particular, we alter our breathing. So that will be, you know, that's why I normally start any sort of meditation or any sort of dream work with a really strong connection with my breath. You know, mm-hmm. I just really come to the breath, notice all the muscle systems and everything that are moving on the in and out breath, just to really be embodied in the breath. And then when I start to work with the visualizations, then if my breath starts to alter, I know I've either got the full message because everything will be smooth or mm-hmm. I'm finding myself holding something or tensing up in some sort of way, doing changing my breathing in some way anyway. And that will be a really nice little clue for me to pay attention to whatever's going on at that moment. I've actually started doing um, breathe in for five, hold for five, out for five, leave empty for mm-hmm. five before bed um, for a couple right. of minutes. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Really good. Uh, Luigi, how can people connect with you, um, find out more about the work that you're doing with the Monroe Institute? Um, just go on the Monroe Institute website. Um, yeah. I've got a UK one, but there's it's Monroe, um, spelled like Marilyn Monroe, uh, yeah. institute.org. And yeah. then the, the UK one is MonroeInstituteUK.org. And I'm, I'm on there. You know, if you look at the UK programs and, uh, that, that are on there, they, they split things internationally. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can connect with me on Facebook as well. I do have a, um, well, a presence of some kind. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, you've got to make sure you spell my name right. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the bit that people screw up. But, I'll um, make sure I take you. I'll make sure I take yeah. you, most of people. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm more than happy to hear what people are doing. And, uh, and you know, for my therapy work, I also have day and night therapy, which is, um, something that extends from the Monroe work that I do, where I, I do tend to work one-on-one with people, usually online, uh, for therapy uh, issues. So it's uh, uh, there's many ways to contact me. So if you have any questions or anything, then get in touch. Just in, out of interest, with the lucid dreaming work that you teach for the Monroe Institute, is any of that online or is all of it in person? Uh, there is an online workshop. Um, again, through the Monroe Institute website, there's a program that um, Thomas Hassenberger, who's a colleague of mine and, and fellow trainer in Germany, uh, an incredible lucid dreamer, um, we, we collaborated on. And so we, we, we do an online program that maybe we run, you know, three three or so times a year nice. um it runs for like three weeks online and uh but then there's also the the week-long program that we do in the uk and in the states so um yeah there's there, there is an online program available 
Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks very much. I'll make sure I put those in the in the notes, show notes for those of you listening on the podcast. You guys in the group, um, I'll tag Luigi so you can connect with him. He's just a really dope guy, as I'm sure you, you've, you've now found. Uh, those listening, thank you so much for joining us today and give us your time. Please, 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 please do rate, review, share this podcast with someone who could learn something from it. it mean the world to me if you could do so. Um, more eyes means more people can get changed and support with this. Until then, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Uh, keep deliberately choosing an abundant joyful purpose-driven life and maybe using your dreams to support you doing so signing off and take care catch you next time thanks so much for listening to this episode of do it with dan with your host daniel mcginna for more great content and to stay up to date visit dmpotv.com we'll catch you on the next episode of do it with dan